welcome to episode 38 of the Sports on Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the line, as always, by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams. Time to put up or shut up for Ohio State. Looking good so far. And, of course, the guy pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severance. Time to put out or shut up for my wife. Oh, wait. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can say whatever I want. Because I'm a man. I'm 40. That's a a good thing. Yeah, I'm going to call her. I'm going to call her and be like, hey, you need to listen to this week's podcast. Here, wait. Do you have his wife's phone number? (laughs) No. I'm assuming I can look up their house phone number. Maybe what I could see, I can edit this one if I choose, so I can say something really nice. My wife is the most beautiful lady in the whole world, and I'm so glad to have her. You, you have, like, the total Cartman facetious voice going on with that right there. <laughs> the Cartman facetious. Yes. yes the Cartman facetious that voice. Is, that's going to be the name of this week's episode. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, episode 38 of the Sports on Point podcast, the Cartman facetiousness. Facetious voice. I know. I, I know that's what you said, but I just... Uh. I made it funny, but you put N-E-S-S on the end of any word, and it's funny. Facetious. Cool, coolness. Sorry, cool, coolnessness. Coolnessness. Mm. Yes, this show is the coolnessness and the bombness. You guys ready to talk about some sports? Yeah, let's talk about something of, of importance. Oh, you think like, sports uh, are important? They are important. They are. Important to us. Bob. That's right. It's yes. our livelihood. We get paid a whole nothing to make these episodes. And to be fair, if you're downloading this and listening to it, it's probably important to you as well. And, and we, we respect that. You know what's important is knowing that you have the right teams in the Super Bowl. That is important, Matt. Nice segue, by the way. And not the type that you run off the side of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And, of course, this past week, as you know, we just wrapped up the AFC and NFC championship rounds. And big surprise, it's the Steelers and the Packers who Sports Illustrated, Peter King, actually picked that exact Super Bowl matchup in the preseason. A little better than myself with my Ravens-Packers pick. But, uh, hey, I got one out of two. That's not bad. No, that's actually pretty bad. And I'm not really impressed with uh, Peter King. It's Green Bay, who was like the sexy media dark horse, and then Pittsburgh, who, hey, it's Pittsburgh. I'd be more impressed yeah. if someone picked Arizona and Cleveland and it happened. Or if they picked Arizona and Pittsburgh two years ago, that would have been somewhat impressive, although not quite as impressive. But, yeah, agreed. Uh, it, it's not exactly stepping out on a, on a limb there. But uh, how many people honestly had both picks right? And, and how many of them have a public voice like Peter King, I, I think you got to give him a little bit of credit, especially considering the Steelers were not exactly all that uh, awe-inspiring last year. And coming into this year, it was kind of a, a mixed bag. You didn't really know what to expect from a team that offensive line looked so terrible last year. And to be perfectly honest with you, they're still not that good. But uh, as always, it's the it's the mature playmaking ability of Ben Roethlisberger. If, even if he is the most immature person on the planet off the field, he, he seems to do a pretty good job on the field. And, and of course, the, the vaunted Dick LeBeau defense that, uh, that uh, will lead you to a lot of Super Bowls if you give him, a, give him an opportunity to. But uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about that game. We said on the show last week, I was kind of of the opinion that uh, the Jets 
by keeping their mouth shut and showing the respect that they haven't shown in the past years were kind of off their game and and out of their out of their element and I I, I think watching the first half of this game um, I, I think that uh, I think that that played a part in this in this game. It was not an emotional game. They didn't come out on fire like they did the last two weeks. And you know, if they had played with the same fire in the first in the first half that they played with in the second half, we might be talking about a different result. Uh, we might have been, but it, it's honestly really tough when you <laughs> don't get the balls to start off being the away team, and then Pittsburgh puts together such a great time-consuming drive where it was just pretty much crazy Pittsburgh offense where give the ball to Mendenhall. Hey, look, he'll he'll take us right down the field. So, you know, when you get beat and destroyed that first series by a team just pretty much running the ball, that's tough. You know, it's good to see that they, you know, did come back and make it somewhat of a game in the second half. But that that first half was just almost unwatchable if you were a Jets fan. Sure, sure. Absolutely. The the long time consuming drive. And I think the thing that had to make it even more frustrating was the sheer amount of times that Mendenhall looked like he was stopped before he even got to the line of scrimmage. Somehow managed to find a hole and burst through for six, seven, eight yards at a time. It was uh it was definitely a difficult thing for that offense to be sitting on the sideline and watching. Although I will say if I'm the offense, I would rather that long drive happen before I've gotten a taste of what it's like to be in the game. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on the sideline warming up until I get into the game. Anyways, if it's a little bit longer, it's a little bit longer. I think, uh, I think if they're coming in with some, some trying to build some momentum and do some things later on in the game and that drive happens, it becomes a little bit more debilitating. And I think that's the way the game played out. Uh, even though, even though the first half did not go the way they intended, um, they, they still managed to make a, a very competitive game of it in the second half and uh, give them a lot of credit for that. The the situation was pretty similar over in the NFC, of course, with the Bears and the Packers matching up for the third time this year. And uh, it looked early on like the Packers were going to run away with this thing, but that's not exactly what happened. Oh, no. It, <laughs> I was actually uh, looking at this. I was uh, I was sort of uninterested to begin with, but that's just me because it's a Sunday. I don't have Sundays off too much, so I was I was taking some Bob time. Uh, I was paying attention to the game while I while I was online, and and I'm just sitting here at seven nothing. It's seven nothing. I was waiting for the Packers to explode. You know, all week we were talking about this offense and how well they did the previous week, and and how great of a quarterback Aaron Rodgers did, and and Aaron Rodgers had an okay game. It wasn't really anything great. 17 for 30 for 244 yards. Yeah. He, he had some really good passes here and there that broke up open that uh, drive where they got the first score. But it, it, it seemed to be that, I don't know that, that, that first, again, first uh, half of the, the game was just kind of like eh, lackluster blah. And, and then when you tuned in for the second half, that's when, you know, towards the end of the game, that's when all the fireworks happened. And of course, as we know, the the, uh, the third string quarterback coming in and making plays in the second half, while the injured and somewhat disinterest looking Jay Cutler sat on from the sideline, uh, I, I said it in the weekly rewind. I really think a big mistake that uh, Cutler made in this that allowed him to to receive all the negative publicity that he's gotten was the fact that he was on the sideline standing by himself stretching by himself walking around pacing by himself where even if he doesn't necessarily need it if he's spending that time working with a trainer trying to stretch out that need then i think a lot of the disrespect that he's been receiving across the uh across the media wire uh, over the past couple of days i think all that goes away if he just 
you know, makes an effort to look like he's getting some help and trying to get back in the game instead of just, you know, sitting there looking like he couldn't have a care in the world. Right. When he's by himself, it definitely looks like the decision of whether or not to go back in the game is completely on his shoulders, and it looks like Lester. I agree with you there. And let's not forget that it was it was just a, a year or two ago when Ladanian Tomlinson was getting the same type of heat when he played for the uh, when he played for the Chargers. Of course, sitting on the sideline, it, it was a little bit weird in that scenario because he would not take his helmet off, and he had that uh, that blacked out visor on his helmet and just looked like an almost like a robot sitting on the sidelines pedaling on the, the stationary bike. Uh, I, I think when you're when you're in the situation where you're hurt and and the injury wasn't something that was visible to the people at home or the people in the stands, there's a certain amount of of awareness I think you have to have as an athlete in that situation to you know make sure that you're doing what at least what looks right at least if you know you're not getting back into the game I think it's important that you at least send the fans the right message and that's not that's not what he did that's not what Tomlinson did in the same situation. Then again, you can cry in that black visor, too. You can cry in the black visor, and maybe that's exactly what was happening. But I can promise you that the I can promise you that the six players from the Packers and the four players from the Steelers are not crying about the fact that they won't be playing in the Pro Bowl this week. No, I wouldn't be crying either. I'd, I'd rather still be in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a bad thing to go to the Pro Bowl. You know, you get your, you still, you're still getting your accolades. You just unfortunately don't have to go to the game and possibly get an injury uh, before the season or, or anything like that. And they're still playing this game in Hawaii, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, still in Hawaii for now. Do they get for the now. paycheck? I'm there assuming. are there are there are bonus and incentives that players get for being selected for the Pro Bowl. Okay, you don't actually get a paycheck for the game, or no bonuses kick in on your existing contract, and it's for being selected. So it's actually kind of funny that you, now that you mention that, because if it with the current format, with more players, obviously teams that make it to the Super Bowl are going to have better players on their roster. That's just the way things work. So when you've got a bunch of good players who are missing out on the Pro Bowl and they were still selected, they still are eligible for their bonuses in most cases. And also the people who are brought in to replace them also get their bonuses. So having the Pro Bowl after the championship round before the Super Bowl actually might end up hurting the owners a little bit even more because they have to pay bonuses for people who aren't even playing in the game or normally wouldn't be playing in the game. Um, But it also, you know, gets some names out there – who did really well, you know, some younger guys who, who can, you know, possibly replace, you know, the Troy Palomalus or, or the James Harrisons of the world and, and get their name out there a little bit, uh, which might actually help their team out next year uh, with, with the whole idea that, you know, that this, this player is someone we can build around or someone will ha- other teams will have to pay attention in defense, which is creating, you know, other mismatch and, and schemes that they have to go out and, and do. So it, it's not all a bad thing for the owners because it, it's potentially getting their, their individual players more recognition and then also which in turn makes the fans more interested in the team next year. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely helps them in the long run. That is, of course, if there is football being played next year. Uh, I, I think the important thing and the reason that uh, the reason that we're going to continue to see the Pro Bowl being played on the week before the Super Bowl is last year they gave it a shot and got a 7.9 rating on the Pro Bowl, 39% higher 
than they had for the Pro Bowl a year before, and that was that was despite the fact that the Pro Bowl was moved from. Uh, I believe NBC two years ago to ESPN last year. Normally when you move a program from free television to pay television, the ratings almost always drop. And in this particular case, not only did they go up, they went up significantly. So obviously having the, having the pro bowl uh, in between the championship and the super bowl is at least a winner in the short term. And if it continues and the trend is, is good ratings again this year, um, I don't see it moving anywhere else anytime soon. Um, I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion myself that uh, it doesn't really matter where you play the Pro Bowl, where you schedule it on the calendar, but uh, it's 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 ultimately just an exhibition just for fun. And if your guys are in it, watch, you watch it. If your guys aren't, you could care less. And I don't think any of that changes by the week that the game is played. But um, that's, that's just kind of where I stand on it. Let us know. Uh, hit us up in the website and uh, hit us up on Twitter and on Facebook and let us know what you think. So, Matt. What happens to the draft if there's a lockout in the NFL? You know, it's actually it's actually a, a funny thing that you asked that question, considering you know I wrote it on the outline and we knew that we were going to talk about it. So it's really coincidental. It is coincidental. No, in all seriousness, it's actually kind of something that's come up at least for me personally in a couple of conversations I've had this week. Um, is is kind of what uh, what happens with the uh, what happens with the draft if there is a if there is a lockout and and it kind of applies to both uh, the NBA and the NFL as both of them are heading into collective bargaining agreement situations where there may not be anything more than baseball and hockey to be rooting for next time uh, or next year around this time what about American Idol that's 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 kind of scary it, it 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 definitely it definitely scares me so, we'll, so, so we'll is your comment Bob time. We'll be spending a lot of time learning how to pronounce Russian hockey players' names and 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 other things like that, which I'm not exactly. Uh, Go, Vladimir Putin, You can't even knock off. I think, of course, in Northeastern Ohio, the reason that it's such a such a. a, a prodding question or, or something that people are so concerned about is of course because how monumentally bad Cleveland teams have been this year with the Cavs sinking to the worst record in the NBA and of course the Browns sitting with the what do they have the number four or number five draft pick I think it's the fifth fifth draft pick um it it uh, it, it it looks like uh, we're going to get some good draft picks this year for the Cleveland teams, and I think a lot of people are hoping with the dire straits that those teams are both in that uh, they can kind of parlay that for a good pick next year if there is a locked-out season. But unfortunately, while that is a, while it is a possible uh, outcome, uh, both the NFL and the NBA executives – um, reserve the right to determine exactly how that second draft goes. I don't think uh, I don't think we'll see much of a change this year, even if their collective bargaining agreement isn't reached before either one of the drafts. I don't think that you're going to see it changed. But uh, ultimately, the the execs they don't have to put it in writing. There's no set known uh, example for what's going to be done in these particular situations. What uh, have you heard anything about how the NFL and NBA might be handling the drafts if uh, if we are locked out? Um, I, I don't remember where I read this. It might have been on a message board, uh, Real Cavs fans, something like that. Uh, maybe Real GM, but I remember someone mentioning the idea that uh, possibly based off the last five years, 
you know, the overall records and then throwing it that way. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how I would feel about this, that especially, you know, being a Cleveland fan who, Hey, look, the past four years, we were good this year. <laughs> our record is not going to help us get a, get a higher draft pick at, at all. Um, I, I think it might hurt us. Uh, and, and but the thing with that is is uh, does does Cleveland have the the 2012 pick with Miami or or I believe they have the ability to uh, switch draft picks with Miami, which that could possibly happen if that was the case. Um, I I don't know for sure again how I would feel about that. You, you would think they would come up with some better way than that to, to sort of help the teams. Uh, why, why not create this parity that, that some of these other leagues and just have it again, the, the same bad teams draft again? Why not? That would be fun, wouldn't it, Matt? You know, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I think in the situation with the Browns, though, you're in, a similar, you're in a similar situation no matter which way they do it. If they just rerun the draft again a year later with the same order, the Browns end with a high pick. If you figure out uh, – I believe the NHL model was actually an average of the last three seasons, of course, when they had a lockout a few years back um, when they came back. The, uh, the, the draft was based on an average ranking of the last three seasons combined. And uh, if you're the Cleveland Browns and that's the scenario, then, hey, what do you care? You're still getting a top five pick. Yeah. So it's 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 all the same for the Browns. But you're right. The Cavs really, really take a hit in that scenario because they've gone from having the best record in the league uh, two years in a row to having probably the worst this year. And what you end up with an average of those three is, well, still pretty good, still pretty high record. So you're, you're probably looking at a late first round pick. For the Cavs, if that is the scenario, but uh, the the problem that I think we have there is the executives are the ones who make the decision, and the ones who line their pockets are the NF, uh, the NBA owners, and the owners are very split on what they want to happen. Uh, you know, the the uh, the players' unions have said in the past that they want the guys coming out of college to just come in as free agents. Whoever wants to sign them can sign them. They can pay them whatever they want to pay them. Sure, as a player, that's definitely what you would want. Um, the 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 owners of the of the have nots in the NBA, of course, want just hey port though port over what we had last year. We'll just do the same draft over again, and of course the Jerry Buses of the world would uh, would rather see it just be a random lottery and every single pick is determined by the bouncing of a ball. So as as, as a fan, the Jerry Bus thing isn't the worst idea. It's definitely better than the free agency thing. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even as a the Cavs fan who has an owner who has been willing to spend, that's that's tougher for, you know, some of these other teams who, who don't have that ability. And that's almost as broken as Major League Baseball and how they have their free agency for international picks. And they're trying to fix that problem with possibly making a draft for the international or including the international guys in the draft. Right, right. Because if you think about it, over the past, the best prospects coming out of uh, you know out of the Pacific and countries, uh, uh, a lot of times end up in Boston or New York because those are the only teams that'll pay the money that the ridiculous agents and stuff are charging just to talk to the players yeah, and fifty five uh, fifty five millions wasn't it just to talk to Demetz Susaka Daisuke. Daisuke Matsuzaki or whatever, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The the asking price was quite ridiculous. Just to talk to a guy, fifty five. I would like fifty five million to talk to me. Hey, sports on point in general would like fifty five million to be talked to or listened to. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'd take that in a heartbeat. But uh, unfortunately, I'll take fifty-five um, bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, apparently, Dice K is the most interesting man in the world, and it's not actually the gentleman from the uh, Dosa Keys commercials. Because uh, if you if you're if you're demanding that kind of money just for a conversation, yeah, there's there's something broken there for sure. But uh, I, yeah, I think what we end up with is probably something similar to the NHL system. And I think we're, uh, if you're a Cavs fan, it's, it's a dark day when they announce that. And if you're a Browns fan, I think, uh, I think that's, a, that's a, uh, definitely a beneficial thing. But uh, across the league, taking an average of the last three years is probably the fairest way to keep everyone happy. Because like you said, we definitely don't want to see everybody coming in as free agents. And at the same time, I'm not that big of a fan of just bouncing the ball and figuring out who gets the top pick. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Insert witty music. Witty music. Yeah. How can how can we have witty music? We, everything we use is instrumental. I don't know. It would be cool. You can it make cool. you, you can you can make instrumental witty. That's totally witty. So we're we're of course we're talking about an NBA locked out season next year, which may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because we're only at the midway season or mid season point right now been kind of an interesting NBA season a lot of uh, a lot of good things happening but uh, I think uh, I think as a whole the season has been overshadowed by what's been going on in the in the NFL I think uh, I think everyone can kind of agree that the NBA as a league really picks up their uh, really really picks up their pace uh, after the Super Bowl's over and everybody kind of turns their attention to basketball but uh, for those of us who have been paying attention um, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know who's really shined and who's really stunk up the place in the first half of the season um, let's, let's let's do a little winners and losers Bob so uh, first half of the season I'd have to say winners are the San Antonio Spurs definitely coming into the season there was a lot of question about the age and depth of the team um, nobody really had them picked as favorites for anything. And at this point, they're on pace to have a 70, 70 plus win season. Uh, well, I consider that to be extremely unlikely. Greg Popovich has found a way to win with the players he's gotten. He's got that international flavor, of course, bringing in some even more international talent to the San Antonio Spurs in, uh, in, in Splitter and, and uh, some other folks that he's, he's brought in. Uh, I'd have to pick the Spurs as my uh, top winner of the first half of the season. Who you got, Bob? Uh, I'm definitely going to agree with that. And I think uh, you, if, if we go back to the uh, preseason uh, preview that we had, or the, the season preview, I, I think you were uh, talking uh, talking bad about the fact that I think I, I still had San Antonio up there. I don't know. I, I, it's kind of messing with my head right now, but... Uh, definitely San Antonio. You have a healthy Tony Parker. You have a healthy Manu Ginobili. You have uh, Tim Duncan, who doesn't have to be the Tim Duncan of old, where, hey, look, we're going to chuck it down to Tim Duncan, and Tim Duncan's going to carry the team. He's playing a perfect complement piece to this entire team. You know, it's it's yeah, it's still Tim Duncan's team, but... It's the San Antonio Spurs. You know, like you mentioned, you know, Splitter has done really well. You can't forget about George Hill, Dewan Blair, and even Richard Jefferson's having a better year than he had last year. So I, I definitely agree with that. And, and they're the team right now of the NBA. Uh, we also can't forget about New Orleans, who started off really well, kind of came back down to earth, but they're still a, a top three team in the, in the Western Conference uh, as long as they keep 
Chris Paul, and as long as they keep a, you know a healthy tandem down low with uh, Emeka Okafor and David West, they're still going to be up there. I think the biggest winner player-wise was Blake, or has been Blake Griffin. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you spend any time at all on any sports blogs or sports opinion websites where they do anything other than the report the, no- report the news, um, it has been all about Blake Griffin all year. Every single day when you go to pages like thebiglead.com, they have a new video of what Blake did last night. And every single time, despite the fact that there's 50 of those videos floating around, you're still intrigued to see it. And, and uh, yeah, uh, Blake Griffin, definitely a winner, is an individual performer. Uh, the other guy I would have to go with as a, as a uh, winner individually would be, you know, we talked about it last week, Kevin Love showing some serious improvement over last season, becoming a rebounding machine to the likes that we haven't seen since, dare I say it, Dennis Rodman. Uh, the worm. It's, 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 been a, it's been a definitely an impressive first half of the season for Mr. Love. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it last week uh, about how he might miss the All-Star game. It'll be interesting to see if we were right and Greg Popovich actually puts him in the uh, – rotation there Uh, definitely a a great guy uh unfortunately minnesota you know they're lined up to be another lottery team uh and and i saw actually a tweet from uh, john hollinger talking about how it had minnesota drafting kyrie irving as their another point guard uh which i actually sent back (laughs) a a funny little response comparing con to matt millen when matt millen decided to draft every wide receiver in the first round every wide receiver available (laughs) Of course, um, it's funny because a lot of the people in the media um, uh, have have been quick to jump all over Khan, and it's it's funny because I don't know if if how many people realize this, but uh, Khan was a sports writer. He actually got into the sports world as a journalist first, um, and made his way into the position. So, and anytime you see, anytime you see uh, Jay Mariotti or those guys on you know, around the horn or whatever, talking about how, uh, how different they would do things from the current ownership. Just always remember that, uh, that Mr. Khan was that guy and we see how that's worked out. So obviously those are the, uh, those are the winners of the off of the, of the first half of the season. Who you got in the losers bracket? Well, other than pointing out the obvious of Cleveland, um, I'm actually going to throw out right now. Um, yeah, they're they're tied for the fifth seed, um, but they definitely have some issues right now, and that's Orlando. Because coming into the season, when everyone was talking, I know you were you were propositioning them as possibly the first team out of the East. They're they're right now they're they're tied for Atlanta with a fifth. Um, yeah, they've had some major overhaul of their roster, and it'll see it'll be interesting to see how the second half plays out for them. But I, I think right now they. They're in some, uh, you know, deep water and see if they can actually uh, tread it and, and possibly right the ship. Sure. I, I, I think uh, I think that you're dead on point and you've, you've brought it up now twice. And I appreciate it a lot that uh, that uh, my preseason picks have not exactly been point on specifically with those two teams. Right, 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 right. Sorry. I'd have to say personally that uh, I, I really feel like the New, New Jersey Nets are, are a big time loser as far as the first half of the season is 
I, obviously, I think it's a smart decision by by Mikhail Prokhorov to step away from the Mar- Carmelo Anthony deal. But uh, obviously, while the, all of those talks were going on, the team was playing terrible. And, of course, a lot of the speculation considered to be playing a part in that. Of course, uh, a lot of the speculation in that whole process was that Anthony would not re-sign with the Nets. So, of course, if you're Mikhail, why do you trade for him? You're not going to re-sign him anyways. Uh, it's, it's renting a player for a half a season. But uh, in the meantime, your whole team has been kind of dragged through media muck. And uh, all in all, I think that lands them in the loser's bracket in my mind. Uh, you know, you, you can't go wrong there. Uh, as, as much as they are in the loser bracket, we'll, we'll talk about Carmelo Anthony right now. And, and I'll say Denver's in the loser bracket right along with them. You know, they, they have a star player who's definitely not happy, who doesn't want to be there. And you can tell this team has been agitated all season. I, I thought they were going to play better than what they did. I think I had them a top four team if all their you know, players were, and pieces were playing right. And it's, it's totally not. Yeah, they're still 26 and 18, only three games back of, of you know, the third spot. But it, it, <laughs> it, it's more of a, is he going to stay there at this point, which it looks highly unlikely. If Denver can get anything from him, uh, they're definitely going to take it because why just let him walk? Uh, but I, I, again, going back to your New Jersey thing, it's it's not so bad for them in the fact that they're lining themselves up to be another top five pick and build with their core. You know, they do have Derek Favors, they do have Brooke Lopez, they have Anthony Morrow, who's done really well with them. Uh, they they could possibly get another piece to keep building that. And, and I, I don't, yeah, they're losers. They didn't get the Carmelo. They didn't want the trade that they won. But I, I don't think they're completely so bad i guess in that sense because they 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 have the uh, ability to possibly get another piece to build and and if you are a young team which they are uh if if they can flip troy murphy for someone you know they they definitely have chris humphreys there who's done really well so i i think it's not so bad they're not you know i I, yes they're losers because hey look they have the second worst record in in the east but they're still like a silver lining well, and of course, uh, having Chris Humphreys in your lineup means you've got Kim Kardashian sitting courtside, and that always boosts team morale in and of itself. Well, I thought Jay-Z boosted morale, because you yeah, know when he's there, you have Beyonce, too. <laughs> it's definitely uh, definitely interesting out, out in Jersey, but uh, I guess if we're going to throw out individual losers, you said it, you said it well. Um, I think Carmelo Anthony, who has um, had his name smeared across every headline over the entire course of the season, has continuously... Um, had his had his public image kind of run through the muck, whether he realizes it or not. He's got a hometown crowd who's booing him, and rightfully so, uh, despite what Kobe Bryant says. Um, I'd say you got to kind of peg him up there as a loser because he has set himself up for all this ridicule and uh, has kind of put himself in a position that he's in. And uh, I'm not saying I feel bad for him, but uh, individual loser of the season, Carmelo Anthony. But uh, going on, a, on another individual, uh, and, and I'll throw two out there, uh, just just based on the fact that they were sort of the franchise player who've come down with injuries again. You have to throw Yao Ming in there. You know, I think this is a third straight season where it's pretty much been, hey, look, he goes out there, he gets injured again, and he's gone for the season. And then, unfortunately, uh, I would say even a bigger loss is is Brandon Roy. Yeah, he's he was played for most of the year, but we we talked about it last week where he pretty much has no cartilage 
in, in his knee joints and, and that he's not going to be the same explosive player that he was for the rest of his career. Well, I guess we could probably throw the Blazers out there as a team um, with with Brandon Roy and, of course, Greg Oden losing yet another season. But, uh, yeah, uh, Greg Oden probably cheering happily as his alma mater, Ohio State, is taking number 12 Purdue to the woodshed today. I think that's about time where we send this uh, – it's about time we send this podcast off. Oh, you mean we're not going over to Bob's and putting him in the woodshed? Well, I thought about it, and then I remembered that – I don't think Bob has a woodshed. No, and the fact that you're in what Atlanta, it's going to be a far walk. Yes. So next week. Next week. Next week. Right. All right. All right. This has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. That's a real email address, and we will actually respond to you. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. That's a real telephone number. You can call it. And get on the show. That's right. Yeah, we'll definitely play you guys. There's a high likelihood. Hey, yes. even, even, even comment on our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We, we, we like feedback. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I do want to point out before we go that if you decide that you want to hump your quarterback on national television, you probably want to make sure you're doing it during a commercial break. Way to go, Mr. Mendenhall. Or if you're a franchise quarterback, you do not want to wipe your boogers on the backup quarterback. Good job, Mark Sanchez. Yay, humping and boogers. There's an episode title right there. <laughs> Yay, humping and boogers. I like Yay, it. Yay, humping and boogers. That's funny that that happened in the same game, too. 